Hey folks, this is Jesse Cook, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well today, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in. Thank y'all for giving me a little bit of your time, and as always, for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, I'm incredibly grateful and humble, and I hope that y'all are getting something out of each one, and I hope that our country is obviously a little bit so we're gonna take one of our our walks today i have one puppy dog so far go down our dirt road a little while and see who and what we can find and what we can find to talk about we're gonna go back to a man that i talk about pretty frequently John Adams, who was our second president, as well as a number of other things, and talk about a few of the things that he had to say. But before I do that, actually, there was one little bit that I wanted to tie up from the Continental Congress. Oh, there we go. Another puppy dog. Ever so slowly. You got to kind of warm up, you know, you don't want to jump into things. So we talked about the Continental Congress for a few of the last episodes, and I can't remember off the top of my head, folks, whether we covered this or not, but it's so vital. The, the biggest deal, what we try and do every episode on here, for those of y'all that are new, because we seem to keep getting a few new ones every single episode or more than a few, uh, is we really try to hammer against this completely false narrative of separation of church and state. It was a horrific decision by the Supreme Court, and we talk about it often, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor that too much. But at any rate, so how, one of the ways we do that is we go back to, the main way we do that is we go back to our founding documents uh, of our leaders, our actual documents, their comments, the way they voted, and we look at that. Because it shows blatantly that this is a Christian nation and that our founders knew that this was a Christian nation and knew that it had to be in order to function. And so on May the 16th, 1776, the Continental Congress appointed a day of fasting. And they sent this out to all the colonies, right? And so what they said, the Congress desirous to have people of all ranks and degrees duly impressed with a solemn sense of God's superintending providence and of their duty devoutly to rely on his aid and direction, do earnestly recommend Friday, the 17th day of May, be observed by the colonies as a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer that we may, with united hearts, confess and bewail our manifold sins and transgressions, and by sincere repentance and adamant of life, appease God's righteous displeasure, and through the merits and meditation of Jesus Christ, obtain this pardon and forgiveness. And there's two things here. One, the first, like I said, so our Continental Congress, early on, 1776, what do they do? They ask 
everybody in the colonies to turn to God and Jesus Christ, specifically not Buddha, not Hinduism, not atheism, uh, Mother Nature, God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. Turn to God in prayer, all of the citizens, every rank and walk of life, right? The second thing here that I find so fascinating because we don't like to deal with it much today, the one of the biggest parts of that call to prayer was repentance, forgiveness of sins, to ask God to forgive us of our national sins and transgressions, as well as our individual. We got a number of them today, folks. You can just put a laundry list out there. The fact that we've rejected God out of our public institutions, one. The fact that we've slaughtered over 60 million of our own children, two, right? Uh, the fact that we promote every kind of sexual deviancy, whether it's heterosexual sex outside of marriage, adultery, whether it's the homosexuality, LGBTQ movement, right? Um, go to flooding the country with illegal immigrants. Go to socialism, communism, right? Stealing what others have worked for. It's, it's pretty daunting, actually, folks. And so what our first Continental Congress did was say, hey, we need to spend a day, stop menial labor, stop what we're doing, Turn to God, focus on God, focus on Jesus Christ, and, and come to him with a humble heart and ask him to heal our land, basically. I, I can't imagine what would happen if we actually did that as a nation today. And we were heartfelt about it. I think the results would be overwhelming. But needless to say, folks, this idea that we're not a Christian nation, it's just a lie. Uh, whether it was a lie out of gross, gross ignorance or whether it's a lie out of malevolence, it doesn't really matter. It's still a lie. Uh, it's just not true. We are a Christian nation. We were born that way, as President Wilson said, and, and remain. At least we should have remained that way. <laughs> uh, and it's the only way that we're going to be able to function. And now we have a kitty cat. We've got a pretty full day. I don't know. He seems displeased with something, probably because he's not getting enough attention. Cats have a pretty high opinion of themselves, if you haven't noticed that. All right, so now we're gonna we're gonna switch gears here a little bit. We're going to go to John Adams and some of his comments. So if you don't know, I'll read through this, um, and a lot of this, folks is going to come from America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations, uh, which is another phenomenal resource. I'm going to try and get to two resources today, one that I don't use very often, but this is one I use quite frequently. If y'all don't have a copy of this, I, I can't recommend it enough. John Adams was second president of the United States of America and the first president to live in the White House. He had also served as vice president for eight years under President George Washington. Library of Congress and the Department of the Navy were established under his presidency. Graduate of Harvard, became a member of the Continental Congress and a signer of the Declaration of Independence. He's distinguished for personally urging Thomas Jefferson to write the Declaration, as well as recommending George Washington as Commander-in-Chief. And he was the main author of the Constitution of Massachusetts in 1780. Minister to France. 
responsible, helped negotiate the treaty with Great Britain that ended the Revolutionary War, and a number of other things. So, uh, phenomenal founder. He and his wife both, uh, if you haven't read much about them, I, I would strongly suggest that you do. It's a pretty impressive story. Not that they're perfect by any means, folks. Um, none of us are, but still pretty impressive. All right, so we're going to just jump in with some of his quotes. I always consider the settlement of America with reverence and wonder as the openings of a grand scene and design in Providence, capital P, and the illumination of the ignorant and the emancipation of the slavish part of mankind all over the earth. I read this one, folks, because I thought it was kind of uh, foresight. Adams knowing that we had to get rid of slavery and and thinking that America was going to be a big part in doing that across the world. And for a couple centuries, we have been, right, as far as bringing freedom to those who are oppressed and who live under tyranny. And then also, just again, the fact that one of our founders, and there's, if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know there's so many, it's hard to keep count, talking again about providence, about how the founding of America was something that he believed God had a hand in and was part of. This is one that's going to hit pretty good today and on our our next podcast, folks. Statesmen, my dear sir, may plan and speculate for liberty, but it is religion and morality alone which can establish the principles upon which freedom can securely stand. The only foundation for a free constitution is pure virtue. And if this cannot be inspired into our people in a greater measure than they have it now, they may change their rulers and their forms of government, but they will not obtain a lasting liberty. Two things here, and and Adam said this in multiple ways in different quotes. The only foundation for our freedom and liberty is religion and morality. And he's, of course, talking about Christianity here, folks. He's talking about faith in God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Never let that, there's a a common thread out there that wants to say that all of our founders really were deists. You know, they believed in God, but not any particular God. That's just wholeheartedly false. Uh, They're obviously different denominations. There might have been a couple that kind of leaned toward deity. But even Thomas Jefferson, who is often held up as the prime example of separation in church of state, considering that's the one line out of a private letter that the Supreme Court used to upend our entire country. He talked about always being a, a follower in, of Jesus Christ in the true sense. In a letter to Benjamin Rush, he talked about the fact that we all agree on the moral precepts of Christ and the obligation we have to follow them. And the fact that there's nowhere to better find them than in his discourses, which is the Bible. So this idea that our founders wanted to push Christianity into a closet is completely false. And Adams is laying it out here. If we don't have that faith in Jesus Christ, if we don't follow his principles, then we're foolish to expect liberty and freedom to continue. And we can see that today, folks. If you're honest, if you look around. You, you can tell that we are going down a really dark path 
we're not increasing in freedom and liberty, we're, we're decreasing, we're losing it. And it's, there's a direct correlation. Because we have lost virtue in ourselves. We have become a people that focuses constantly on sex, on sports, on, and not in a good way, folks. There's nothing wrong with focusing on sex inside a marriage, but that's not what we're doing. We're focusing on it every which way outside of a marriage, outside of the, of the commands of God. And, and the second paragraph here he's talking about, he, he says that, you know, if we can't find virtue, if we can't find character and morals in more, in, in a larger quantity than we have it now, then we can change our ruler, we can change our form of government all we want, but we're not going to have a lasting liberty. That's one of the things I think we're real danger of today, folks. I, we are. We want to say, well, you know, that next leader, if we just would have elected the right one. You know, if we would just get back to Trump or if, you know, Biden, okay, that was a bad choice, but he's on, man, the guy, he really, he really has a good heart. You know, we just needed to pick a better one. Folks, that ain't it. It's not going to work. It doesn't matter who we elect. And it doesn't matter what form of government we have. If we as a people don't follow the principles of Christ, you know, it's like Washington said, it's impossible to rightly govern without God and the Bible. If we don't turn back to God as a people first, it doesn't matter who we elect, what we do at the ballot box. It's not going to matter. There's not going to be any lasting liberty. Yeah, we might check it for a year, two. There might even be a great period, you know, of five to ten years like with Reagan. We might check it for a little while. The the steady forward progress of evil that we've seen over the last century, more or less. But it's never going to be lasting, folks, because it's not lasting in us. Because the next election cycle, we'll just turn right back around and elect somebody just like us that doesn't have any virtue. And Adams knew that. And he warned us about that, what, almost 250 years ago. This is a comment of his from July 3rd, 1776. It is the will of heaven that the two countries should be sundered forever. It may be the will of heaven that America shall suffer calamity still more wasting and distress yet more dreadful. If this is to be the case, it will have the good effect at least. It will inspire us with many virtues which we have not and correct many errors, follies, and vices which threaten to disturb, dishonor, and destroy us. The furnace of affliction produces refinements in states as well as individuals. My father-in-law has long had a quote. He says something along the lines, I'm going to paraphrase right here. He says, you know, people won't really change until they feel enough pain. Uh, he messes with finances a lot. Uh, and he, he was referring primarily to people's own finances. They don't, they don't get really interested in their financial situation until they start to feel a little pain. I would argue that's true in our entire lives. Uh, whether you're talking about your marriage, raising your kids, finances, the country as a whole, 
we don't really get interested until we start to feel some personal pain, uh, which is sad. You would hope that that we could figure it out, that we would have enough maturity and character to do it before the pain comes. But sadly, often we don't. The other thing here that Adams refers to uh, furnace of affliction, you know, when your back's against the wall, all of the political correctness nonsense goes out the window. When things start to get really tight here, folks, you're going to see people's true character. And you're also going to see people, a lot of people, be forced to recognize that the things that we've been doing as a country are unsustainable. Because when, you, when you're in a real fight, when your back's really against the wall, you just don't have time for the games. I, I've said this often about the way our country has pretended that men and women in co-ed units together, men and women in the military are interchangeable. Do you think our enemy's going to give us a little slack because we're trying to be politically correct? You've lost your mind. Absolutely lost your mind. And, and, and it's, it's disgraceful that we've done this already. And you can include the police and the firefighters too, folks. How many lives have been lost because we've been playing politics? Well, we need a certain, we need a certain quota of, of race in our police departments and firefighters. We need a certain quota of males and females. Uh, I've never yet seen a fire that cared if you had the right number the right percentage of race or the right percentage of females and it slowed down for you and said, oh, okay, you're, yeah, you got it. We're going to slow down now for you. Or the criminal that said, oh man, I can't, I can't rob a place here. I can't do anything bad here. I can't go murder somebody because they, they have the right number of people based on race and the right number of females in their unit. No, can't do that. Going to have to go somewhere else. The fact that we pretend that and play with people's lives is an absolute disgrace. It's dishonorable and there's no excuse for it. And just like Adams referred to here, you know, there definitely is some pain coming, folks. We've made so many blatantly, I don't even, untrue, false, politically correct decisions. When we get into a real fight, all that stuff's going to go right out the window. And anybody with even the slightest shred of honesty and integrity in their body knows that already. Now, you may not have admit it, but you know it. Our enemy's not going to give us any slack. The good news is, and this is a quote from my, my father, which it's, it's, war is never the answer that you want ever. You always want to figure things out, if possible, outside of that. But, but sometimes it's not, right? And this what Adams was saying in this revolution is we may have a lot of distress and calamities left. And my father, what he says is the silver lining there is when you look at our history of wars, the really good leaders float to the top because you don't have any time to, you can't. You can't pretend anymore, folks. You can't play the games anymore. And you have to have people that are truly good at what they do. And you have to you have to play by the real world rules. I think we got time. Let's see. We got time for one more. Oh. 
No, we don't. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I got caught being carried away by the sound of my own voice again. All right. We'll we'll come back to John Adams. He's got a great quote on, on education. So we'll come back to it at some point. Y'all have a wonderful rest of whatever is left of your day. Thank y'all so much for spending a little bit of time here with me, listening to me carry on. Uh, I hope that y'all got something out of it. And one thing that I that I don't talk about every single episode at the end is, you know, in the Marine Corps, they really pushed muscle memory. Because if you trained hard enough over and over and over again, then when you got scared or things got really chaotic, your body almost took over and did the stuff for you. And we've got to do this mentally with the history of our country now because it's been so long since we've taught it. You've got to hear these quotes over and over and over again by more and more and more people realizing that we are a Christian nation so that it's just absolute reflex, a response, and you know what the truth is and you, and you act that way. So at any rate, God bless y'all. God bless America. God bless your families. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.